Welcome back, everybody, to our Let's Talk Green County program presented today by A&W Family Restaurant. This is Coltrane Carlson, and our guest today is our State Senator Jesse Green joining us for part two of our two-part series. And so, Senator Green, I'd like to kick off today's program talking a little bit about the local government committee of which you serve on. There was a bill that did make it through that first funnel week that would essentially ban ballot drop boxes and then allow convicted felons to run for federal office. I'd like for us to kind of tackle that first part with you first, and that is the elimination of ballot drop boxes. Now, a couple of years ago, the legislature passed a new law that would require ballot drop boxes to be placed at all county courthouses. And so I kind of wanted to get your opinion about why this new bill would essentially undo that. Yeah, certainly. Well, well, during COVID, I mean, you saw it in every aspect of life. We had to readjust and readjust fast to make sure that we could live our lives the best that we possibly can and most efficiently. And one of those things is in regards to how we voted during COVID. And so I think having the, the ballot drop boxes were necessary during COVID to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to participate in that election. One thing that we've seen since then is I've heard uh, firsthand, I've heard complaints from auditors about the ballot drop boxes, not all of them, but some of them think they're a little bit uh, irritating because there's an expense with that. You have to have a camera. You have to check them every single day and every night. Some auditors just felt that was just not necessary. I believe we have around 25 counties in the last election that still use ballot drop boxes and and i would say the biggest pushback on this bill is that is that right now it's a it's an optional thing for auditors to do during COVID. i believe it was mandatory so like that to me is the biggest pushback but overall uh, we've got to remember that voters can deliver to an auditor's office right now their ballot they can mail it through postal service we have so many different avenues for people to vote is having a ballot drop box uh, really necessary and is that an unneeded expense and unneeded workload on our auditors? So I think it's a great conversation to have. And I think uh, most would agree that in this post-COVID world, we should reassess uh, some of these policies. And then uh, tackling that second part uh, for us to kind of key on is allowing convicted felons to run for federal office. Now, right out of the gate, I just want you to address up front that the opponents of this bill have uh, pointed out that it's in to ensure that the former president, uh, Donald Trump, would remain on the ballot here in Iowa. Can you speak to us if there's any truth behind at least one of the reasons why pushing this part of the bill is going through the legislature? Sure. I, I think any time that we look at the national news, we see the circus that's happening, just the drama is taking place. But there's also, we got to understand that there's a large portion of our population that, that really does uh, has no faith in our justice system. And, and they believe that we have a two-tier system that's uh, unfavorable to Trump, but favorable to Biden and all this stuff. I mean, everybody has different views as to what the reality of the situation is. And I think we are entering a very sensitive and dangerous time now where we need to be careful how we view, how we elect our president and how we go through this electoral process. And, and to me, that's the beauty of the, con- the Constitution is the Constitution is very clear on who can qualify to run for president. It's a 35-year-old person that is natural-born U.S. citizen and has lived in the United States for 14 years. It's as simple as that. And I think we need to, yeah, on the surface, it would appear strange that a felon would run for president. But, hey, if we truly believe in our republic and our constitutional republic and our way of life and how we elect our presidents, we've entered into some some new territory here. And I think we need to, to honor and respect our constitution and try to remove Iowa from the chaos that the rest of our nation seems to be experiencing around this topic. And then uh, I was just asking you any other thoughts about uh, bills that you felt should have made it through that first funnel week, but kind of disappointed that they didn't get through? Well, 
I guess this was all all about debate week and uh, getting bills off the floor that a pass through committee. And so my mind has kind of been on that. Uh, I was really fascinated by the, the conversation that took place in regards to gender balance requirements for boards and commissions. Uh, uh, that was Senate File 2096. So I think your listenership would enjoy listening to that uh, archive online. It's a really interesting debate. My newsletter focused on this as well. Uh, Senator Kornbach from Ames, he was the only dissenting vote from the Democrats to vote for removing the gender balance requirements. And I loved his argument about how we live in an ever-changing society where if you want to base things on merit, look at where women are in society. They are graduating at a higher rate. A higher percentage of them are getting master's degrees and PhDs. And, and so by all metrics, it appears that the women in our society are lining up more to be more capable for public service and success in life. And so this uh, gender balance requirement that we've had on the books for decades is discrimination and it's a ceiling for women in society. So I was really interested with that debate and it was a really healthy debate in the last three years. I'd say it was one of the most fun debates. So I encourage your listeners to look at that. I was really proud too on the healthcare front of a postpartum Medicaid expansion. This is something that's been talked about for years. What our bill proposes in the Senate is that this would expand it out to 12 months, but it would lower the income eligibility to be more equal with other states. So right now, Iowa is the most generous state when it comes to income eligibility, but we don't have the 12-month uh, postpartum coverage for Medicaid. So I think this strikes that balance and provides a good quality health care to those who need it, but also do it in a conservative way. And so that's another thing to keep an eye on. There are some bills I was surprised that died, but reality is the second session of an assembly, you have a shorter time window. And so it's not surprising that a lot higher percentage of bills die during the second session of assembly. If you really want a bill to pass, you need to be working on it right away in the first session of assembly. Have a companion bill in the House. Make sure you do the work and, and having the conversations in the other chamber. And even then, it's a hard lift to get some of your personal bills to pass. And so I really love our structure of government. It's set up to kill bad ideas. And a lot of us have a lot of bad ideas, and we need to be humble enough to recognize that. And I'm really proud to be a part of this uh, process and, and to be your voice down there. All right. That's our guest for today's Let's Talk Green County program here with our state senator is Jesse Green joining us once again. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Today's Let's Talk Green County program is brought to you by Jefferson A&W Family Restaurant on North Elm in Jefferson. Enjoy that delicious A&W All-American food seven days a week, and they're open daily at 1030 a.m. We'll be right back with more here on the Raccoon Valley Radio Network.